Father, this morning, we ask that you flood our hearts with a revelation knowledge of your Son, Jesus. We pray that you fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That we will know you, Lord. That we will know you, Jesus. And in this revelation, we will come to maturity. Not being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and by the cunning slight of men. Father, we will be established, deeply rooted and grounded in love that we may be able to comprehend along with all the saints what is the length, the breadth, the height, the depth to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. We thank you, Father, that your total counsel is preached this morning and transformation comes to the sons and the daughters of men. I give you glory. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Praise God to everyone here watching me. This is Love and Grace City Church, a carriage service. My name is uh, Prophet Isaac Lafpapo. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for watching me um, for this morning's service. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you want others to also get blessed by this teaching, I just humbly want to ask you to share this video on your wall so that thousands more can also be blessed. We began a series uh, we titled Christ the Riches of Our Eternal Forgiveness. And we established some very deep truths knowing all what Christ has done for us. We saw the riches of forgiveness revealed in the scriptures. We saw how our past, our present, and our future sins has been forgiven in Christ. We saw how Jesus uh, God has forgotten all our sins and does not remember. We saw how God does not impute our sins and our trespasses to us. We saw how God cleansed us through the blood of Jesus Christ and washed us. We saw how Jesus took all our sins and dropped them in hell so that the consequences eternally against us is completely reversed. We saw all what Jesus did for us in redemption which we could not contribute to it. We explain everything throughout the series. But last week we began, I think from last two weeks we began a new dimension of the teaching on forgiveness. And under Christ the riches of eternal forgiveness we've been speaking about um, the responsibility of forgiveness. The responsibility of forgiveness. It's been an interesting journey. You know, a lot of times, many people don't really understand the, uh, the balance of the message of grace. So, some take the message of grace to an entire extreme at the expense of uh, New Testament instructions. And sometimes, as we begin to grow in the message of grace, we begin to feel that, okay, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, all is done. Like I said last week and last two weeks, sometimes if we misinterpret the word finished work we'll end up into trouble because we need to understand that in the new testament epistles we see the finished work of christ we see the unfinished work of christ and then we see what christ will finish when he appears the second time so i explain that in the bible you're going to see the finished work you're going to see the current work and you're going to see the future work of christ 
as you read the entire bible you're going to see the finished work of christ you're going to see the current work of christ you're going to see the future work of christ the finished work of jesus christ is what he did in redemption for our salvation it's what he did without us we also said that the current work of christ is what jesus is doing in us by the power and potency of his word and the spirit then the future work of jesus christ is what jesus is going to do in total salvation and redemption of our mortal body and bringing full judgment and punishment to the ungodly or the unbelievers or the sinners so there is a finished work there is a current work there is the um, future work of jesus so in the current work of jesus there is a molding there is a shaping there is a divine training there is a discipline that the holy spirit brings us into so that the reality of christ in our spirit will become real in our uh, soul finding expression in the body so what we are saying is that the believer is righteous and this righteousness is in the spirit the believer is born again and this nature of god is in his spirit the believer has the very life of god in his spirit but you see uh, the fact that you have the love of god you have patience in your spirit does not mean you walk in patience the fact that you are righteous in your spirit does not mean you walk in righteousness so we need to understand that man is a tripartite being man is a spirit he has a soul and he lives in a body when you got born again it was not your soul that got born again when you got born again it was not your body that got born again that was that is why when a man gets born again uh, the scars on his body is still the same all the bad thoughts he had before he got born again is still the same the part of him that gets born again is his spirit it's your spirit that gets born again the bible says that which is born of the spirit is spirit and that which is born of the flesh is flesh and jesus said except a man be born of water which is the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of god so the born again experience is a reality in your spirit when a man gets born again his spirit is recreated in christ he becomes righteous but you see the fact that you're righteous does not mean you walk in righteousness there's a next step of revelation that enables you to walk rightly and this comes through the agency of the word a believer must walk in the absolute authority of the word of god he must walk in absolute response to the promptings of the spirit to have a successful christian life when you got born again there, there is something called spiritual growth the essence of spiritual growth is to allow your soul to conform to the nature of your spirit which will find expression in your actions through your body note that so as we grow in the word as we grow in prayer as we grow in obedience to instructions in the scriptures what happens is that our actions which align with uh, with the nature of our spirit through the agency of the renewed soul affects us in our walk with god and many believers just enjoy the finished work part of what christ has done but don't think uh, it's necessary to uh, align their walk with their nature and that is wrong i explained that you cannot separate being from doing 
being and doing always move together being and doing always move together who you are in christ must always move with what you do in christ i explained that uh, what you do does not determine who you are but who you are rather should determine what you do a lot of times many people stress more on what they should what christians should be doing at the expense of who they are first but we explain that the Christian must first know who he is in Christ, then he can be empowered to do what he's supposed to do in Christ. So we got to the point of explaining that when we say we are forgiven of our sins, we are not saying that sin is over or sin is dead or sin does not exist anymore. What we are saying is that the penalty for sin has been paid when we speak of forgiveness we are saying the penalty to be paid has been paid so we are not saying that the christian can no longer sin again and that is where people miss the whole thing we also explain that you see a lot of times people get confused about the grace message they feel that because we teach on grace it means they shouldn't feel bad when they do what is wrong and that is a wrong teaching or a wrong perspective of understanding of grace. We have explained there's a difference between condemnation and the discomfort of your recreated human spirit. Condemnation is when a man thinks or feels that God is angry with him and God is going to punish him because of something he has done. That's condemnation condemnation or self-condemnation or sin consciousness is when a man thinks that there is an expectation of domination against his life because of something wrong he did we have explained that that is condemnation when a man is in christ he cannot be condemned in romans 8 from the verse 32 moving the bible tells us who is he that condemns it is god who justified us he said who is he that shall lay a charge against God's elect he says it is Christ who died much more is risen and is at the right hand of God ever making intercession for us so we have explained that the Christian cannot be condemned yet he can condemn his heart without fully assuring his heart that he is not under condemnation but that is what condemnation is condemnation is actually an, a damnation so to condemn yourself means to damn yourself and to sentence yourself of something Jesus has paid for. But you see, no condemnation does not mean don't feel shame for sin. We have explained in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, 6 that the Bible says love does not rejoice in iniquity love does not rejoice in iniquity and the bible says the love of god has been shed abroad in our hearts so a believer who is truly saved has the love of god shed abroad in his heart by the person of the holy spirit in him and by reason of that love the bible says this love does not rejoice in iniquity so a truly born again christian must not rejoice in iniquity in other words, for a believer to sin and not feel shameful about that sin is problematic. Now, please watch this. Feeling bad is a negative response of your recreated human spirit to an ungodly act or action. 
please note this. You can write this down. Feeling bad is a negative response of your recreated human spirit to an ungodly act or action. So feeling bad is not wrong. A lot of times, many have interpreted feeling bad for something uh, you have done wrong to mean condemnation. And we have separated already. We said feeling bad after sin or after sinning is a negative response of your recreated human spirit to an ungodly act or action. We also said that feeling remorse after sinning is an indication that you are truly born again and your righteous spirit is uncomfortable. Please note this. I think this is the first time I'm saying this, so note that down. Feeling remorse after sinning is an indication that you are born again and your righteous spirit is uncomfortable with it. When a believer gets to a place where he feels no remorse for sin, he's in trouble. When a believer gets to a point where he feels no remorse and has no shame for sin after he has sinned or in the process of sinning, that believer is in trouble. He has gotten himself to a place where the Holy Spirit's voice or the power and potency of the word of God is now muted in his life. His conscience is now seared. And I told you, you can get into a point in a bad behavior where you no longer feel bad again. You, are, you have trained yourself not to feel bad or shame after doing something wrong. When you got, get to that level, you are in trouble. It's going to take you a very long time to come out of it. I've explained that. But the point I'm making here is that the feeling of remorse is godly. It is the response of your recreated human spirit that is indicating or giving you an alarm or a signal that something is wrong with you somewhere. Now, you see, we have some fire alarms in where you go to companies. When smokes, it's like a smoke detectors. When the moment it senses something like a smoke, it, the, I mean, it has been designed to quickly give an alarm so that people become conscious of the fact that there is fire around. Your human spirit is, is actually a sensor. When sin is about stepping in, he has a way of giving you a signal. That signal is that discomfort, that joy that leaves you, that uncomfortability you have when you want to do something wrong. When you keep ignoring or rejecting it, you, you walk in trouble. So don't confuse condemnation with feeling bad or discomfort that comes within your heart when you are doing something wrong. And don't convince yourself that, oh, I'm not under condemnation, so there is nothing wrong. There is something wrong because it doesn't bring glory to God's name. We explained last week that in the New Testament, there is something called sin. So many years ago, when we were growing in grace, I just was uncomfortable with the word sin. When I was growing in grace. So it got to a point. I made statements like the believer itself does not sin. The believer cannot sin. Which is true to our human spirit. Our human spirit cannot sin. 
verse John 3 9 tells us that because the seed of God is in our spirit we cannot sin but before he said that he said that whosoever is born again or born of God does not make sin his practice so a believer though his spirit cannot sin his soul his own renewed soul finding expression through his body can actually live a sinful life or make sin a practice so I said a believer himself cannot sin but he can, he can commit wrongdoing. I was just uncomfortable with the fact telling someone that a believer can sin because I, I, I thought Charlie grace means you don't talk about sin but you see as you begin to grow the Holy Spirit begins to make things clear to you and you cannot hide from it that's why I teach this with joy and you should receive it with joy sin has not changed but how God deals with man with respect to sin has changed. What sin was in the Old Testament is still sin in the New Testament. Please get this. But how God deals with man now on account of sin has changed. So remember when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 the verse 19 the Bible says to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses. That means God acknowledges they commit trespass but he does not impute it. Why? Because our sins was imputed into Christ and Christ was punished in our stead. Are you seeing that? so what sin is in the old testament is what sin is in the new testament in the old testament the bible spoke against idolatry in the new testament the bible tells us to flee from idol worship and idolatry is also part of the works of the flesh in the old testament fornication was wrong in the new testament fornication is wrong praise god but like as I said how God deals with man on that basis has changed they are not punished anymore because all our sins and the punishment due us was placed on Christ but sin is still sin 1 John 2 1 he says I write unto you little children that ye sin not so a believer can sin then he says if any man sins so a Christian can sin Romans 6 from the verse 12, 13, 14. The Bible says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. So those, uh, the believer is dead to sin. He can still allow sin to reign in his mortal body because sin is very much alive and powerful. What makes sin powerless is that uh, the engine room that sin had to control you died. Please follow this. What makes sin powerless is the uh, sin nature that was in you. So sin took advantage of the sin nature of, uh, in you to actually find expression through the vehicle of your body. I repeat that again. Sin had a hold because sin always functioned with the sin nature. But the Bible tells us that when Christ died, we died together with him so that sin's dominion over us is powerless it's just like marriage when you are married to a man you are bound under the man the only time you are separated from the man is when you die that is why the bible tells us till death do us part so death parts a man a, a woman uh, from the husband from the authority of the husband 
in that same light, he is telling us that sin was the master. He had control. But when we died, sin lost its control. But you see, we can still allow sin to actually find its shape through our members or through the members of our bodies. Sin cannot reign in your spirit anymore, but sin can reign in your mortal body when you allow it. The Bible says, For sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under the law but under grace. In other words, sin can still have dominion over a man. So, we need to get this thing defined well. And we explained last week that you see, the works of the flesh, we explained because I think it's one session that we can use to explain, I mean, much of the sins that a believer can commit. So we started from adultery. We, we, we explained adultery. And we said adultery is actually when a, a man who is married or a woman who is married has sex with someone else. And we have explained that already. So today quickly, we want to look at what fornication is. We are looking at a second in the um, works of the flesh. The works of the flesh. So Galatians chapter 5, the verse 19. Remember, uh, let's, I want us to read something here. Galatians 5. Let's read from the verse 60. Thank you, Jesus. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. All right, let's read from the verse 16. Now watch this. He says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the desires or the lust of the flesh. Now, that tells you, number one, a Christian can fulfill the desires of his flesh. A Christian can fulfill the desires of his flesh. But the Bible gives us a clue of how not to fulfill the desires of, of the flesh. It tells us to walk in the spirit. So, for you not to fulfill the desires of the flesh, you must walk in the spirit. What does it mean to walk in the spirit? We're going to look at that soon. But to walk in the spirit means to walk in the fruit of the spirit. That's the meaning of walking in the spirit. In other words, when you walk in love, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. When you walk in peace, you will not fulfill the last of the flesh. When you walk in joy, you will not fulfill the last of the flesh. Are you seeing that? So, walking in the spirit is an enablement that makes you not fulfill the last of the flesh. So, don't try to deal with the same problem. Walk in the spirit. By walking in the fruit of the spirit. But you should also know the damages of these uh, sinful behaviors. I explained 2 Corinthians, um, uh, Corinthians chapter 12 from the verse 20 and 21. He says, for I fear, this is Apostle Paul talking, lest when I come, I should not find, I, I, uh, I shall not find you such as I will, and that I shall be found unto you such as I would not. Lest there be debates, envies, wrath, strives, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, stemouts. And lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already. So a believer can sin, we've said that. And have not repented of, repented of their uncleanness and fornication 
and lasciviousness which they have committed. So number one, a believer can commit it. He can commit it. In other words, he can allow the desires of his flesh to be fulfilled. Praise God. But Paul said, have not repented. In other words, there is the forgiveness of sins and repentance from sin. So repentance from sin is not just changing your behavior about the sin you're committing. Repentance can lead to change, but repentance in itself is not first changing. Repentance is first change of mind. So I tell people, you don't just tell people, stop sinning, stop sinning. No, you must tell them why and under which circumstances of revelation by which they should stand upon not to sin. Because I explained to you, the reason why the believer should not live under sin is because he is dead to sin. In other words, sin does not have power over him. So, the believer must first understand that sin is under his feet. Number two, the Bible says, let not sin reign in your mortal body. In other words, the believer must be made to understand that he can let and unlet sin. He can let or unlet sin to reign in his life. If you don't have that revelation, if you don't repent from that understanding to know first of all that sin in itself is powerless because you have the new nature of Christ in you, it will be difficult to deal with it. So there is forgiveness from, of sin and there is repentance from that sin. So I explained to you that forgiveness means the penalty to be paid has been paid. Repentance means the action you are involved in must stop but it stops on the basis of revelation. Are you following this? Good. So back to Galatians 5, verse 19. He says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Remember, watch it carefully. He didn't say the works of the devil are manifest. He says the works of the flesh are manifest. In other words, when you find yourself committing any of these sins, it's not the devil at work. It is you at work. You hear someone says, I don't know, but Satan is destroying my life. Satan is destroying my life. I don't know why I'm... It is called the work of the flesh. It is the work of the flesh. So, you are doing it. You are doing it. If you don't understand that, you can't come out of it. You must understand that you are the one doing it. You are fulfilling the desires of your flesh. Now, let's go back to James to read something from James chapter 1. I, I believe it's going to clear up from there. Alright, from the verse 13. It says, Let no man say, when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. Now watch the verse 14. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and is enticed. Watch it carefully. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own desires. So, see, your own desires draws you or leads you astray. Never forget that. Remember in the garden, Satan only suggested. But the Bible said, when the woman saw that it was good to eat, 
and it was desirable for gaining wisdom and it was pleasant to the eyes the bible says she took of it and she ate so you see the satan just appealed and her desire was drawn so that tells you that even satan cannot make you sin he can actually draw you by giving you the pleasure and then you entice yourself to fall into it if you don't understand it this way you will put the blame on the wrong person there are people today who are doing all kinds of wrong things and they have relaxed because they think it's satan doing it and they put the blame on satan they put the blame on their forefathers they put the blame on the wrong person you are born again you have self-control in your spirit so you don't the works of the flesh are the works of your flesh when see your desires if see if you are to be left what your desires can do you have no idea what this flesh can do you have no idea when you allow these five senses your 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 smell your touch your feelings when you allow them to operate you can do terrible things we call it the power of self. I explained to you the word flesh is used uh, different times in the New Testament. At times, the word flesh speaks of the old man which was crucified. But at times, the word flesh speaks of self. When you got born again, you did not lose self. Self is that ego, is that part of you that wants to rebel against God. Self is that part of you that wants to do what it wants to do self is that part of you that doesn't want to respond to the word of god self is the part of you that says i am my own master when you allow that self to operate you will walk outside the will of god you will do very terrible things because for example someone provokes you self says he has provoked you be angry your new nature through the agency of the word of god and the holy spirit says that no this is not you you are born again and you have patience in your spirit so now self battles with the recreated human spirit the word of god and the holy spirit so now guess what if you give in to self you will act in anger and regret if you give in to the work of the spirit by obeying the word and walking in the reality that you are a patient man you realize that you have overcome the flesh. Hmm. I hope you are paying attention to this. So he says, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust and is enticed. So you can entice yourself. Nobody bought that magazine for you. You got it yourself. Nobody put those videos on your phone. You put them yourself. So it's not Satan at work. It's you at work. And look at the next verse. He says, and when last has conceived. So, you see, if you hear that someone started cheating on their wife, it did not begin once. It began from somewhere. If you found that somebody was working in masturbation, it did not begin just on the act. It started from somewhere. There was something that was conceived. What was conceived is called last. And that last was conceived. And look, he says, When last has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The word finished, that means when sin has fully grown. 
So it first began begins with a desire, a last, a strong desire. That is why, that is why we keep saying that you see, don't just allow your desires to give you direction. Please watch this. I gave you a beautiful example that the fact that you feel like we win does not mean you we win everywhere. If you're in an, an important meeting and you feel like we win, you don't we win on yourself. You hold it. You know why? Because it is inappropriate to do that in the midst of people or on yourself. In that same vein, the fact that you have an erection does not mean that erection should give you direction. It can be controlled. So it says last conceives. So you should understand this. The more you are feeding your desires and your lust, it grows into sin. And when sin is matured, it brings distraction. That is dead there. So nobody sets out to destroy himself immediately. It always begins with a desire. A strong desire and a passion. So the first one was uh, adultery. We have explained that already. So you can get our teaching for last week. The next is fornication. Now please listen to me. You need to understand this. Fornication is a sin in the New Testament. It is a sin. And I'm going to give you some few scriptures to let you know. Fornication is a sin. Now the word fornication is from the Greek word pornia. Pornia. So I know this sounds very familiar. It's the word from which we have pornography. The Greek word for fornication is pornia. So actually, pornography is actually pornia, which is fornication. In other words, if a man sleeps with a man, it's still pornia. When a, 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 a woman sleeps with a woman, it's still called pornia. It's still called fornication. When a man sleeps with an animal, it's also called fornication. Is an illicit sex outside of marriage. Now, let's get some scriptures here. First Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6. Please follow this thing carefully. First Corinthians 6. Let's read from the verse uh, 17. Alright, let's read from uh, let's read from 15. He says, know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? See, that is what I'm saying. See, Paul never told people not to do things by just telling them don't do it. He gave them revelational reasons why they shouldn't. He's saying, know ye not. So, Paul is always dealing with people's addictions and people's sinful behaviors with revelation. He says, know ye not. So, he's dealing with knowledge. You cannot stop a sin without knowledge. He says, know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ. He's saying your physical body is literally a member of Christ. This your physical body is a member of Christ. Then he says, then shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. He's see. Paul was writing to them because he heard that there were some of the church members who were sleeping with prostitutes. 
So Paul is saying, this body is a member of Christ. Shall I take the member of Christ and join it to that with an harlot? Then he says, God forbid. In other words, he's saying this is an abomination. It shouldn't happen. Then he says, what? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? Hey. He says, for two, saith he, shall be one flesh. He's telling you that sex is not physical. Sex is spiritual. Sex is spiritual. He says in the verse 17, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. The verse 18, he says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committed fornication sinned against his own body. Then he says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Look at the verse 20. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Look at what Paul is saying. Paul says, number one, flee fornication. I told you there's a difference between running and fleeing. To run means to take to your heels. To flee means, it means that escape with any available, uh, any available opening. To flee means to escape with any available opening. It also means to escape by flight and terror with every opening available. That's serious. In other words, if the only place available is through the small hole in a sieve or a net, it's a pass through it. That's the word flee. Every opening available, use it. That's the word flee. So it says flee fornication. He's telling you that fornication, number one, is a sin against God and a sin against yourself. He says, when you commit fornication, you don't only sin against God. In fornication, you sin against your own body. You defile it. Now, Paul goes on to tell you that this body does not even belong to you. You were bought at a price. So, he's saying this body has been purchased. You cannot give it in for illicit sexual intercourse. Amazing. I wish I could read that from the Amplified Version. Uh, sorry, uh, from Message Translation. Let me read that from Message Translation. Can I have that? From the verse uh, um, 15. He says, God honored the master's body by raising it up from the grave. He will treat yours with the same resurrection power. Until that time, remember that your body is created with the same dignity as the master's body. You wouldn't take the master's body off to a warehouse, would you? I should hope not. There is more to sex than mere skin on skin. Please follow this. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. As written in the scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy. Leaving us more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that can never become one. 
there is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can live how don't you see that you can't live however you please squandering what God paid such a high price for? Mm. I read that again. It says, or oh, don't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. This is so beautiful. So fornication is a sin. Let's look at some few scriptures more. Um, thank you Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 the verse 3. Ephesians 5 3. Please make some notes. Ephesians 5 3. Now watch this. He says, But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. He says, Now that you have become saints, let not fornication once be named among you. He's saying, If it is possible, let not be one time someone says that this man the way he fornicates eh? he says it should not even be tagged on you it should not be tagged you should not be known for that as a saint in Christ in other words you see a saint can tarnish his sainthood a saint can tarnish his sainthood he says let it not once be named you should never be tagged as one who disrespects God's authority in sexuality. I'll give you the next scripture. Colossians 3.5 Now these are all New Testament scriptures. So you don't tell me this is not in the New, uh, New Testament. Now watch this. He says, mortify therefore. The word mortify means to destroy. It means to, it, it means to kill. He says, dead thing, kill mortify therefore your members which are on the earth I told you last week that God would not ask you to do something he has already uh, um, uh, uh, God would not ask you to do something he has not empowered you to so for God to say kill those parts you can kill it he says mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth in other words kill those desires of the flesh and what it produces then he says fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry. He says mortify it. You can destroy its power. You can, you can kill it. You can kill those desires. Paul says mortify. God says mortify. So you can mortify it. You can check it in other translations. You can deaden it. You can destroy its power. You know why? Because its power has been destroyed. So you can keep it dead. 
He says, mortified. Thank you, Jesus. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. Now let's look at uh, from the verse uh, 6. He says, now these things were were our examples to the intent we should not last after evil things. So a believer can last after evil things. Please don't forget this. A believer can fully last after evil things. You can give your... See, let me put it this way. A believer can allow himself to walk as an unbeliever. A believer can allow himself to walk as an unbeliever. A believer can cause his Christianity to be questioned. And people will wonder whether this guy is truly born again or not. You know, this happens to those who say, my Christianity is in my heart. Yes, we all know. But it cannot remain in your heart. So you don't say, oh, it's in my heart. God knows me in my heart. No, no, you missed it. We know, everyone knows your Christianity is in your heart. But Christianity that does not have any form of godliness that reveals itself in good works is questionable. So if you are a Christian and it is not seen in your actions, your Christianity is questionable. And such people bring shame to the name of Jesus. You know, you wonder how, you know, there are some Christians who cannot invite people to church. They can't invite their landlord to church because they are not talking for two years. He can invite his uh, family members and tenants to his ordination or his consecration as an elder because they'll be shocked. It will be, it will be shocking news. You are being consecrated, consecrated. Consecrated for what? They'll be shocked. Because you don't honor, you, you are not patient, you are, you are not self-controlled in your appetites. Oh, uh, in that compound house you are living in, you just change the women just like that. They just keep coming and moving. And your tenants are watching. Sunday, you take your Bible, you put it under your armpit, and they are watching you. You come back with another woman. You just change the, the cars. You ch- change the car engines. And they are watching you. How can you bring glory to God's name? You can't. That's questionable. They will question you. Huh. So, he says, now these things were for examples to the intent that we should not last after evil things as they also lasted. He's telling you that things that happened in the Old Testament are examples to us. Then the verse 7, he says, neither be idolaters as were some of them as it is written, the people sat down and ate and drank and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day 23,000. So Paul warns the believer against fornication. Because the work of the flesh, you can fulfill that desire if it's not controlled and avoided. So we said the word fornication means, uh, let's look at the final scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the verse 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the verse 2. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now look, he says, For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. I'm going to explain something very soon. See, in the New Testament, we have what we call instructions. 
So sometimes some people think we are not under the law. So when they find anything like commandments in the New Testament, they tend to hide away from it. In the New Testament, the apostle of grace gave commandments. He gave charges. He said, I charge you, Timothy. He says, I command you by the authority given me by Jesus. He gave instructions. He gave rebukes, admonitions. These are all in the New Testament. You can't run away from it. He says, for you know what commandments we gave you. So Paul gave them instructions and commandments to obey. We call it New Testament commandments. So though you are not under the law of the old covenant, you are under New Testament instructions and commandments and you need to obey those commandments. You know why? Because you can. So I read again, for you know what commandment we gave you by the Lord Jesus. The verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that which, it says, that ye should abstain from fornication. You need to understand that there is sanctification that is from Christ. And there is sanctification that is from you. Please note this. There is sanctification which is from Christ and in Christ. And there is sanctification which is from you and should be from you. Let me give you an example. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 the verse 30, you can check it out. 1 chapter 1 verse 30. Now watch. It says, but of him ye are in Christ. Ye are in Christ Jesus. Ye are in Christ Jesus. So this reality is in Christ. Who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. So Christ is our sanctification. But you don't keep running without revelation that Christ is my sanctification. Christ is your sanctification, yes, but you must reflect that sanctification by walking a sanctified life. So we are sanctified in Christ and we can also live a sanctified life. You cannot claim you are sanctified in Christ without walking a sanctified life. So Paul is saying, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And what is the sanctification? He explained by saying, that ye should abstain from fornication. In other words, a Christian can defile himself out of the will of God through fornication. Because he says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. So Paul, God is saying, because I've sanctified you, I expect a certain act of sanctification from you. Ah, watch this. God is saying because I've sanctified you I am expecting a certain sanctification that should reflect in your action and in that action I want to see it in you fleeing from fornication so listen to me when a believer flees fornication or avoids fornication he is walking sanctimoniously he is living a sanctified life to flee fornication is to live a holy life oh to flee fornication is to live a holy life is to be sanctified in conduct please watch this to flee fornication is to live a sanctified walk in action so you cannot say I'm sanctified and not live sanctified no 
So it's the will of God for you to live a sanctified life. And that life, he says, flee fornication. That's sanctification. So when a believer decides to walk in the integrity, the instructions and the commandments of the word of God, that act of him walking in it is called sanctification. Please watch this. When a believer prays, that act of prayer is sanctification. When a believer avoids sin, that act of avoiding sin is sanctification. It's called sanctification. When a believer has the opportunity to lie and he tells the truth, it is sanctification. Thank you, Lord. So, there are two solutions to fornication. Please note this down. There are two solutions to fornication. You can't run outside any of these two. Number one is to flee. I've explained that. Number two is to marry. There are two ways of dealing with fornication. Number one, flee. Number two, marry. Number one, flee. Number two, marry. Let's get some scriptures. I've explained number one already. Let's explain number two. First Corinthians chapter 7 from the verse 1. First Corinthians chapter 7, the verse 1. I read. He says, Now concerning the things which, uh, uh, he says, Concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. <laughs> Paul says it is a good thing for a man not to touch a woman. But to avoid fornication. So somebody said that, oh, for me, I married my wife because, because the love of God was in my heart. Hey, be careful. For me, I, I married my wife because I wanted to demonstrate God's love for her. Please be careful. You are being a hypocrite. One of the reasons why you married is so that you avoid burning. 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 To avoid fornication, he says marry. And he went ahead to say, for it is better to marry than to burn. I don't know what that is there. <laughs> Good, look at the verse 9. He says, but... Okay, let me... <laughs> Alright, now look. Look at the verse 8. He says, I said therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. Paul is saying for this one, I didn't hear it from God. Look at the verse 6. Look at the verse 6. He says, but I speak this by permission and not of commandment. He said, as for what I'm about to say, it is not God who spoke to me. It is permission. Um, you, if you want to do it, fine. But it's my own commandment. He says, for I would that all men were even as myself. Thank God, Paul said, it is his own commandment. But every man had his proper gift of God, one after his manner, the, the, 
and another after that. He said everybody has a gift. He has the gift of holding on. <laughs> we don't ask for me, I don't have the gift of holding on. Paul said, I have the gift of holding my, my sexual appetite. I have the gift of being an eunuch, of being a, a celibate to not marry. He said, everybody has a gift. I, I, I refuse this gift in the name of Jesus. He says in the verse 8, I say therefore to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. The verse 9, he says, for if they cannot contain let them marry for it is better to marry than to burn it is better to marry than to burn so every human being burns but burn well every human being burns but burn well burn in the right confinement called marriage so Paul said, I wish every man was like me without marriage. But not everybody has my gift. So if you think you can't have my gift, marry. Because it is better to marry than to bend. So we all bend. But we must bend well. So there are two ways of avoiding fornication. Number one, flee. Number two, marry. Praise God. Marry. Marry. So you see, you need to understand that you see, when you allow, you see, the reason why God does not want us to engage in sin is because sin in itself, like we said, has earthly consequences. If you are staying with someone you are not married to and this person sleeps with you all the time, it will delay marriage. It is simple. Because he... He does not need to spend anything. Nothing is moving him. Because if the burning was more, he would say, Charlie, let's marry. Let's marry. I can't hold it again. But once he's already enjoying the thing, <laughs> it will delay. I was telling some, I was telling the church at a time that, you know, some people are not going for honeymoon. They are only going for moon. Because the honey on the moon has already been leaked. The honey on the moon has already been leaked. So, there are some people after, after wedding, they are not going for honeymoon. They are going for moon. They are not going for honeymoon because they have leaked the honey already from the moon. It is better to marry than to burn. He says, avoid it. Avoid it. So, so, so see, you must flee from it. He said, you're going to visit the guy. The guy says, baby, baby, please, I beg you. I beg you, just one. I beg you. And he said, I'm getting sick. Baby, I'm dying. Die. 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 Someone says, Oh, I I had to allow him because because of the way he was behaving. I thought he was going to die. I thought he was going to get sick because he was behaving like he's having asthma. He was being so I know. Hey, let him die. Let him die. If he cannot hold on to marry you, let him die. You know, some ladies have actually delayed their marriage. They have. They have, I'm telling you. Because once you are washing for the man, you are married. So he does not see a need to come and marry you. Never. He doesn't see the need. Because everything that a married man needs, you are supplying to him. 
Please listen carefully. Everything and anything a married man needs, you are already supplying to him. So is there a need to marry you? No. He is enjoying what he hasn't paid for. So there is nothing that pushes him to come and marry you. I'm telling you. Anyway. Alright. So we move to the next work of the flesh. Number three. Uncleanliness. I pray I have some time here. Uncleanliness. Uncleanliness. No, let me do that in five, ten minutes, then we are out. Uncleanliness. It's a work of the flesh. Galatians 5.19, uncleanliness. Now, the word uncleanliness is from the Greek word akatesia. A-K-A-T-H-A-R-S-I-A. Akatesia. You can call it akatesia. Akatesia. Or akatesia. A-K-A-T-H-A-R-S-I-A. Akatesia. You know, you hear some people say, cleanliness is next to godliness. That is not true. There's no scripture for that anyway. It's not biblical. But you have to be clean. Now, many people don't know that cleanliness, uncleanliness is a work of the flesh. They don't know. Not being clean physically, not being clean emotionally, is all, it all forms uncleanliness. So, uncleanliness is the work of the flesh. Now, uncleanliness, there are, there are things that form uncleanliness. Not keeping yourself physically well or physically clean is called uncleanness. Phone sex is uncleanness. Oral sex be, uh, outside the confines of marriage is also uncleanliness. Masturbation is also uncleanliness. They are Things that are defined as uncleanliness. Please follow this. There are people who don't bath for three days. <laughs> it's called uncleanliness. It's the work of the flesh. Not bathing for three days is called uncleanliness. And to your surprise, it's the work of the flesh. You know, some of you, you think the spirituality is just about Meanwhile, five days you have not had your bath. Stop praying and go and bath. Go and bath. <laughs> you are praying, but you are working in the works of the flesh. Your nails, look at your fingernails. They are dirty. Dirty. You are still keeping it. Your hair. It, some of you, the ladies, your hair, if we are to, we are to enter into, into your head, <laughs> we are to enter into your hair. <laughs> Things that will come out, only God knows. Some ladies don't keep their hair well. And yet, they are in prayer camp, praying for marriage uncleanliness is the work of the flesh there are some of you you think it's the work of the devil but it's the work of the flesh you don't keep your armpits clean your armpits in your private part the head there is as though you are working at forestry and agriculture it's, the head there is like a bush a whole bush 
and you yourself you can't even keep it clean and the thing is smelling everywhere you go it goes before you the smell that follows you goes before you so it announces your presence before you get there so people wonder what smell is that then they see you the smell goes ahead of you it announces you before you get there there are some who smell they smell and and surprisingly i wonder how whether it's uh, ignorance or they don't know see check yourself smell your armpit put your hand under your balls and smell it and see if it's smelling check your armpit smell your mouth do check if your mouth is smelling it is called uncleanness. So the works of the flesh is uncleanness. Works of the flesh. I'm telling you, this is the work of the flesh. If you allow your flesh, you won't bow for 10 days. I'm telling you. So keep your mouth clean. Brush your teeth well. I tell people, people whose mouths normally smell, I know there are spiritual problems to that. I'm not talking about that. They are mostly people whose mouth smell. They they don't scrap their tongue, so it the smell is in the tongue. It's not in your teeth, so your teeth can be white, yet your tongue will cause it to smell. You can have a white teeth and still have a smelling mouth. And you see, you see some people who are praying for favor, praying for grace, but if they can deal with their armpit problem, they will have that job. You see, there are some of you, the reason why you missed the interview is not a demon. You are praying too much. It's just deodorant. 10 CD deodorant. And you have gone to buy 300 CD. 300 CD oil. Point it upon your problem. Meanwhile, it's just 13 CDs. Adidas deodorant. Or Exona. And you don't care about your armpit. All you care about is prayer. Prayer. Everything. Warfare. 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 You are praying every day. Binding. Losing. Warfare. But it is just your armpit. That is why men are not coming close to you. Because no woman will want to stay with a man whose armpit is smelly. It is difficult for them to tell you. It's difficult for your fiancé. Your fiancé to tell you that your mouth is smelly. It's difficult. Because you now your mouth is smelling. Your body is smelling. When they tell you, you are angry. So nobody wants to tell you. They've left you. Nobody wants to tell you. And you are walking alone. <laughs> you think you are you. You are walking alone. Your armpit is smelling. Your mouth is smelling. Nobody is able to tell you. Because you are proud. So you remain in it. No amount of anointing oil can break smell. No amount of anointing oil can, can break dirty hair. No amount of anointing oil can break wearing uh, uh, clothes that are not pleasant. No. Uncleanliness is a work of the flesh. I'm telling you. So some don't care. They just don't care. They don't care about whether they have bath or not. They've not. They don't care how they smell. There was a guy who came to me for me to pray for him. He said, Pastor, everything in my life is poured. Anybody I get close to, the person does not mind me. Some people promise me. The next day when I go to them, they ignore me. This is a, a true story. It's a true story. This is about seven years or eight years ago. The guy's name starts with D. I'll mention the rest. He came to me and was telling me, he said, I have the spirit of disappointment upon my life. So I said, okay, give me your name. He gave me his name and I was praying about him. 
when I started praying about him, that day when I met him, the smell that came from this guy. So I had to stay back when I was talking to him. I told him I'll get back to him. When I was praying, the Holy Ghost told me that this guy does not have any problem. His problem is smell. So the bosses of companies don't want to allow him into their life. He wanted to be a driver or a cleaner. All the bosses will tell him, I will give you the chance. But when they see the smell, they say, this guy will destroy my company. So I'll allow him. He said, it's a spirit of disappointment. So I said, Holy Spirit, how do I help this guy? The Holy Ghost says, make it into a prophetic direction. So I called him. I said, meet me. He met me. I said, I've, I've prayed about it. The Lord gave me a serious direction for you. He said, buy two deodorants. Buy a nice perfume. Buy a white new shirt black trouser and add one more shirt to it and put it in a rubber bag. I'm going to do a direction for you. It's a true story. And he brought it for me. Hey, come and see my tongues. I rebuke the spirit of disappointment. He said in Jesus name. He didn't know what I was thinking in my head. When I finished, I said, this is the direction. When you wake up early in the morning, use lime to clean under your stomach. Pray over the lime and clean your armpit very well. When you are done, shave it. This is a prophet that the Lord said I should tell you this. Thou say the Lord. If you miss this thing, you have missed your divine timing in the realms of the spirit. Like I said, yes sir. Yes sir. Yes sir. And I said, when you are done, apply the deodorant under your armpit. Shave very well. Wear the white shirt and go back to that boss again. Tell him that you are here for the job. There is favor upon your life. And he went. Men and brethren, a week later, the man called me. He said he has received a new job. He was made a cleaner of a bank. The direction has worked. The guy's whole problem was death and smell. It was death and smell. And this, you see, this is in scripture. Uncleanliness is a work of the flesh. And if you allow it into your life, it can destroy a lot of things and you put the blame on the devil. So, some people are putting blames on the devil. Yes, it's just the work of the flesh. Like I told you, the work of the flesh is not the work of the devil. Clean your armpit well. Simple. Yeah, some of the ladies ask for your brazier for the past one year. You have not watched it before. One year, you have not watched it before. And you wear nice dresses to cover it. But the day the dress will come out, the smell. Holy Spirit, have mercy upon me, sir. I don't want to go into that. But there are some men also, your boxer shorts, parasusu, pereza, kereka, parasusu, kutupa. Your boxer shorts, you have worn one boxer shorts for 30 days. You have worn one boxer shorts for 40 days. Why? It is called uncleanness, so say it is called uncleanness. Keep yourself clean. One boxer, you have worn it over and over and over, repetition, repetition upon repetition. You don't wash it because all your dresses are dirty and you are lazy to go and wash it. So the same singlet, that same singlet, you have worn the singlet over that that t-shirt. Now you wear inside. You have worn it over and over and over. The day you collapse in town, and people take you to the hospital and they say, Remove your shirt. 
the same person who has collapsed will wake up by the spirit and say, you, you leave my shirt. Leave my shirt. Say. Leave my shirt. I'm okay. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. You know why? Because they can't, when they remove your singlet, It will be dangerous. I remember we went for a prophetic program and the prophet was ministering. You know some of these prophets, you have to be very careful when you are going for prophetic programs. Because anything can happen. He called the guy to prophesy to the guy. <laughs> and after he prophesied to the guy, he said the guy has a calling in ministry. And he said he wants to anoint him. He said, remove your shoes, sir. I want to anoint you. The guy was wearing shoes and socks. For, for one minute, the guy was not removing the shoe. The prophet said, boss, remove the shoe. I want to anoint your leg. <laughs> now the guy said, I don't want the anointing. <laughs> I don't want the anointing. He said, remove the shoe. So he bent down and he was trying to remove the shoe together with the socks. So that the shoe, his leg would come out of the socks without them. Unfortunately, by the time he removed it, the, his toe was as pierced through the socks like that. <laughs> it's all Basha. You are a Bakusro. Now you don't want the anointing again. There are some of you, your shoe is smelling, your socks, aye. Six months, you have not washed your socks. It is called uncleanness. Oh, uncleanness. Uncleanness. And some of you, you are just looking in the spirit. Hey, Kabbalah. Hey, Kabbalah. Hey, Kabbalah. Hey, Kabbalah. Hey, Kabbalah. You, you are wearing dirty boxer shorts. Three weeks, you have not watched it. Hey, Kabbalah. Hey, see, go and watch it and stop praying. It's called uncleanliness. So keep yourself clean. Keep yourself clean. So, you see, there are some people also now, their body is used to death. So, when they even wear a, a shorts or a boxer shorts or something, a panty, it's the same with the ladies. So, there are some ladies also who don't wash their pants. They wear it again. They wear it again. So, it's not just with the men. There are some ladies who are also very dirty. When they come to public, they are the neatest people over. But if you remove what is on top of it, God have mercy. But you see, it is called the work of the flesh. I'm telling you. See, go and find some chocho cream and use it. Find chocho cream or joy, joy ointment and use it. Because there are some men now, your balls is really smelling. It is smelling chocho cream. It's your solution. It's your direction. It's your prophetic direction. I'm giving you a direction. Use chocho or joy ointment. You'll be fine. Because if you marry, if you marry, you'll just worry your wife. Because your, your wife cannot tell you, I can't kiss you. Because your mouth. It can't tell you, oh, baby. Uh, you know, because the thing, they smell. But she can't tell you to bring marital problems. So, the work of the flesh, of you not keeping yourself neat, is destroying marriage or is going to destroy your marriage. And you will be praying in Achar Mountains. When it is uncleanliness, that is the, that's the issue. Uncleanliness. That's all. You say, my deodorant is finished. Go and buy a new one. So, use lime. If you know you have a problem, use lime. Don't be copying people. 
There are some people, if they don't shave, they don't smell. But you, if you leave your armpit, you destroy the whole thing. Keep yourself clean because uncleanliness is the work of the flesh. You choose to make it happen. Your desires, laziness makes you unclean. You don't scrub your toilet. When a visitor comes and you are praying that you don't say he wants to wee wee. It's called uncleanliness. Now some of you don't wash your bowls after eating. For five weeks, your kitchen is full of maggots. Maggots. Gogomi, gogomi in the same bowl. The bowl you eat in is full of gogomi. Because you don't keep yourself neat. Please. If you have, if you have kept yourself unclean, I'm telling you today that is the work of the flesh. It's the work of the flesh. Now some of you, the reason why I have not seen any angels in your, in your life yet is because of that. I'm just kidding. But which angel who can come into an environment like that? Scattered everything in your life. anyway so uncleanness is entire is entirely physical is also emotional you know there's some people who don't they say they don't have physical sex but they have phone sex at midnight when everybody's asleep then you are communicating with the guy baby can you feel me yeah i can feel you i'm just imagining your nakedness baby oh Ah, I'm imagining that we are doing it to, in your mind. Phone sex. It's also uncleanliness. It makes your mind unclean. So phone sex is also uncleanliness. Oral sex is also uncleanliness. Strong lustful desires is called uncleanliness. I'm going to stop here. We are going to continue next week. <laughs> 